Welcome back to Torah Limachanach Yomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Mrs. Michal Horowitz, and today we will be studying Kapitel Yura Aleph, Chapter 11 of Sefer Tehillim. Steinzot Ketuvim introduces this Kapitel as follows. This is a contemplative psalm on evil, in which the psalmist depicts the way wicked people attack the righteous openly and secretly lying in ambush against them, not realizing that God watches over the world and punishes those who deserve it. So if you think that it sounds like the theme of yesterday's, you are correct. And in fact, Rav Shamshar Falher says that this psalm is a sequel to Psalm 10 by virtue of its content and its trend of thought. So therefore, yes, King David is continuing the same thing as yes, same theme as that we learned yesterday in the previous chapter. We see the wicked prospering, we see the um, righteous suffering, and we see the wicked seem to deny that there is any involvement of God at all in this world. And of course, all of these chapters are not only a definition of wicked, but a plea to God to eradicate the wicked from the world. Let us begin. Perikot al Pasuk Aleph. Lam natseyach to the conductor, the David. Bahashem chasisi. Eich tormul nafshi. Okay. Lam natseyach the David. A psalm to the conductor for David. Bahashem chasisi. In God I trust. Eich tormul nafshi. How can you say to my soul, Nudi harchem tzipur? How do we translate this? I'm going to give you two options. One from the Steinzot's Ketuvim, and then something very, very interesting from Rav Shamsher Falhirsh. According to the Steinzot's Ketuvim, for the chief musician, the conductor by David, in the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to me, wander away, bird, B-I-R-D, Tzipor, to your mountain? In other words, how can you speak to me so harshly with words that seem to say, take off, bird, fly to the hills, get away from here? I trust in you, God. How can you say to my soul, fly away from here? Get away from here, like a bird to the mountains. I, th- I thought that this was so interesting. I am not an expert in Rav Sham I'm not really an expert in so <laughs> many things, but one of the things I'm not an expert is Rav Sham Shavosh, but I do study his teachings quite a fair amount, especially Rav Sham Shavosh on the Chamisha Chumshe Torah. I have the Hirsch Sitter, which I use from time to time as well for preparing different classes, shiurim studies. I also have the Hirsch Tehillim. I have Hirsch on Mishle. So I have Hirsch on Pirkei Avos, which I quote from often. So I do learn from and quote from Rav Sham on a semi-regular, fairly regular basis. And I just thought that this was so interesting. I'm bringing this up as not only an interesting shot of Pesachal, but also as an interesting historical fact. I have never seen Rav Hirsch do this before. Um, in all my studies of the Hirsch Chomesh, Hirsch Pirkei Avos, Hirsch Siddur, Hirsch Tehillim, Hirsch Amishle. Again, I am not a Bhakti of Sham Shafal Hirsch. Perhaps there are many other places where he does quote the following, but I've never seen it and I was just very taken by it. Here we go on Pasukov. My great uncle. I have never seen him quote his great uncle before. And it's just a reminder that there is a Masora. Rav Hirsch is quoting two generations before him. Not his uncle, but his great uncle. My great uncle, Rav Leib, Pei Pei. I don't know what Pei Pei stands for and it's not elaborated. My great uncle Rav Leib, Lamid Yudbeis, and then a Pei Pei Zatzal. That's what he writes. My great uncle Rav Leib, Pei Pei Zatzal, the author of the scholarly work entitled Harchsim Lebika, was the first to call my attention to the fact that an Esnach cantillation mark under the word Lenafshi in Parag Alf has already been preceded by the Olevia mark of the word Ledavid, so that the Asnach cannot divide the sentence. He's telling us here about the um, 
Nekudot, if you will, and that the cantillation marks. Therefore, based on the cantillation marks, we should not read this verse as Eich tomu lenafshi kama nudi harchem tzipor, but rather we should read it Eich tomu lenafshi nudi kama harchem tzipor. The meaning is, therefore, I have put my trust in God. How then can you say to my soul, flee, your mountain is a bird? How can you tell me to abandon the firm faith I have heretofore cherished? You say that the one in whom and I, you say that the one in whom I and those who share my convictions have found our support, as if on a solid mountain, has proven to be as unstable as a bird. It's extremely interesting. There's two totally different interpretations here. One is the basic pshat, and that is the Steinzot Ktuvim says, For the chief musician by David, in the Lord I take refuge, Bahashem Chasisi, Eich Tomu Lenafshi, how can you say to my soul, Nudi Harchem Tsipur, Nudi, wander away, Harchem Tsipur, bird to your mountain. So here we are speaking to a bird and telling them to wander away as if to mantra. Of Shamshar Falhirsh, quoting his great uncle, the Doris who came before him, Rav Leib Pei Pei Zatzal. The author of the work Harshim Lebikar, based on the cantillation marks, because there's an asnach under the word Lenafshi, but that is preceded by the Olavi Raid mark of the word Ledavid, teaches us that the following is correct. Eich tamu Lenafshi Nudi. How can you say to my soul, you have been abandoned, flee, Harchem Tsipor, your mountain is a bird? Meaning, mountain represents great strength. Mountain represents uh, a fortification. Mountain represents something strong. Flee, your mountain is a bird. As if the enemy say, your strength, your God is nothing more than a bird. How can you say, the one in whom I and those who share my convictions have found support, as if it is a solid mountain, meaning God. How can you say it is proven to be as unstable as a bird? I just thought that was very interesting. First of all, it's two totally different interpretations of the Pasuk. One is saying that, God forbid, our strength, our mountain, meaning God, is nothing more flighty than a bird. That's her first. The other is saying, how can you say to my soul, fly away? Fly away, bird, to your mountain. But I also just really like that he quotes his great uncle here, which I've actually never seen before. I'm sure it occurs elsewhere. I am not a Baki and Hirsch, but I thought it was very interesting. Let us move on. In terms of reference to Tefillah, by the way, this capital is not referenced in the Tefillah, so I have nothing to discuss in terms of the sitter by this capital. Pasuk Bet. Ki hinei rishaim yidruchun keshes koronu chitzam al yeser liros bemo ofel lishrei leif. Behold, the wicked bend the bow, they fix their arrow. So again, it's describing the wicked who point their bow and arrow to the innocent. They want to shoot on the string. I'm sorry, they point their bow on the string to shoot as if in darkness. Who do they want to shoot? Who do the wicked want to shoot? Upright of heart, who they intend to kill. So this is once again a uh, imagery of the enemy coming up against us. I mentioned in yesterday's capital, the Fogel family massacre, waiting like a lion to shred their prey. Today, this reminds me of the Mossad Harav Cook terror attack, which was, was on Rosh Chodesh Adar Aleph. Um, the wicked come with a bow and arrow pointed against the Yishrei Lev, the upright of heart, the Harnof massacre. Very powerful Pasuk. Listen to this. 
If the foundations of the world are destroyed, tzadik ma pa'al, what can the righteous do? Steinzel's Ketuvim offers a powerful commentary here. If the moral and societal foundations of the world are destroyed, what could the righteous man do? Meaning, if you live in a time of total moral and social upheaval, if you live in a time of total debaseness and complete immorality, what actually can the righteous man do to fix such a broken world? To fix such a broken world in the worlds of in the word of who? I'm trying to say word and world. In the words of the Steinzeltz Ktuvim, when the moral foundations of society are in ruins, what good can possibly come of the individual deeds? of a righteous person. Sometimes we look at the evil in the world around us and you feel so overwhelmed. You think, what can I do to change the world when things are so upside down? And yet, Pasuk Dalat, Hashem Behechal Kodsho, Hashem is in his holy temple. Hashem Beshamayim Kiso, Hashem, his throne is in the heavens. Einav Yechazu, Hashem's eyes see. Even if we don't see, even if we don't understand, Hashem's eyes sees. Af apav yivchanu b'nei adam. The Yerbaum understands when he puts his gaze on the sons of man. So God understands and God sees, even if we do not. And the word here that is used is, Yevchanu b'nei Adam, like from Bochen, Kilios, Velev, and also Bechina. Hashem tests or Hashem examines the sons of man. Says Rav Shamsher Fal Hirsch. This means that God, whose holy and sanctifying law, was laid down for mankind in a sanctuary is the same God who is the same God who rules the world according to the principles set by down by him in the sauce so the same Hashem who made the sanctuary who put his dwelling place there who rested the Shekhinah there is the same God who rules our world according to his law however we do not understand his workings because our eyes see at the most the most superficial aspects of men and matter when we look around us we do not understand the workings of God because all we see is a superficial view. While the all-seeing eye of God penetrates into the innermost parts of all things living, God's eye is all-seeing. God's eye is penetrating. Man's eye is limited and blind, so to speak, to the reality because so much is hidden from us. Reminds me of Pirkei Avos, Dama Alamalamimcha. No one is above you. Eye and roa, an eye that sees. Ozen Shamas, an ear that hears. Lechama Secha, Besefer Nichtavim. We, however, going back to Rav Hirsch, I am on Pasuk Dalet here, have lost sight of the discipline that is inherent in his rule. Thus we, who can see life only in a superficial manner, are not the proper judges for the true moral level of our present day world. If we cannot see the whole picture, how can we be the true judge of the present-day world? We cannot tell how much improvement we in the world around us need. We cannot tell how much we are capable of improving as a whole, as a world. Nor can we judge how good or bad the circumstances really are. What looks to us is good, maybe in God's plan is bad. What looks to us is bad, maybe in God's plan is good. Because we are thus limited in our understanding, a man has to realize how limited we are. We can apply only the standards of reward and punishment to the fate of our fellow man. We fail to see that what, that what we think is reward, and we fail to see that what we think is punishment is actually neither recompense nor chastisement. So it appears to us as reward, might in fact not be reward. And what appears to us as punishment might in fact not be punishment. I'll give you an example from Chavish. Because of Aaron's involvement in Ched HaEgo, Rashi tells us in Chamesh that all four of his sons, Nadav, Yehu, Elazar, and Isamah, Rechayiv, Misa. 
But Moshe davened for Aaron, and Hashem cut the gezerah in half. Nadav and Avihu died. Elazar and Isamar survived. Now, if you don't know that all four sons were supposed to be taken, and then that would have been the end of the kahuna, then Nadav and Avihu died. And we think that that is pure judgment, pure punishment, pure justice. But if you know that four were supposed to die and two survived, then you see the rachamim bedin. You see the mercy in the judgment. But you only see the mercy from the vantage point of God. So when you look at something at surface level, it's hard to understand. No, I'm going to say it's impossible to understand the workings of God. Only from God's vantage point can we understand that, quote, we fail to see, no, I'm sorry, from our vantage point, we fail to see what we think is reward or punishment is actually neither recompense nor chastisement. All the joys and all the sorrows sent to us on earth are bechinot. Remember, we're on Pasuk Dalet here. Yevchanu b'nei Adam. Hashem tests. Hashem examines the sons of men. Says Refersh, all the joys or sorrows sent us on earth are bechinos, means of educating man for his divinely ordained destiny. The purpose of everything that happens here is a bechina. We are being educated for our destiny by trying, improving, strengthening, cleansing and thus ennobling man. Last sentence of our first, without me interrupting him, all the joys or sorrows sent us on earth are bechinos, means of educating man for his divinely ordained destiny by trying, improving, strengthening, cleansing, and thus ennobling man. It's a very short chapter, only three more psukim. Pasuk hey. Hashem tzadik yivchan, there's the word again, yivchan. Hashem, the righteous, he will test. Virasha va'ohev chama son anafsha. And the wicked person and those who loves deceit, Hashem despises them. Yam ter al rishayim pachim esh v'gafris. It reminds me of the destruction of Sodom and Amorah. V'ruach zilafos menas kosam. The wicked must know that ultimately their time will come for destruction. He will rain burning coals. Sulfur upon the wicked from heaven, fire and brimstone, and the winds and the windstorm will be their lot. This is just like by the destruction of Saddam. Here you have that exact same imagery. Last pasuk. Hashem. Hashem is righteous. Sedakos ohev. He loves righteousness. Yashar yechazu panema. The faces of the virtuous will be how will behold the upraiva, meaning God. And ultimately, goodness and righteousness will triumph over the wicked. Thank you so much for learning with me. Thank you. Thank you. I wish you all a wonderful day.